Friday episode for March 25th, Just Baseball Show, Jack McMullen, Arm Layton, and Jack, I'm going to start with a question for you. How many pounds do you think the Kool-Aid man is? The I saw S- this. Uh, I, I saw this. It, just an absurd weight. They did the calculation. Six feet tall, uh, like three and a half feet wide, and you factor in the, the density of the liquid. The density. Um, first of all, I, I was about to break in with, you know, Friday, March 25th, just baseball show. And you said, one of these days I'm going to host a pod. And we said, fuck it. It's right now. So, uh, you're off to a great start right now. Uh, Kool-Aid man, I'm going to say 450 pounds. How much? No, no. 11,000. How? How According to columbusalive.com. This was written by Andy Downing on columbusalive.com and i also I'll, I'll be honest i saw it from grape juice boys on on instagram that's fine i love I, grape juice boys yeah and naturally i was like okay i need to go look this up if this is this a real article yes it is uh eleven thousand pounds how like what's the math there the sugar maybe the sugar in there or the, i don't know i mean also those those glass pitchers are really heavy you ever like pick up a glass pitcher and you're like this doesn't even make sense why it's so heavy yeah, That's, but I guess like a six foot tall thing of Kool-Aid. The glass thickness is 3.6 inches, Roper estimated. The mascot would weigh about 5,800 pounds, but filled with liquid would balloon to 11,000 pounds. He also addresses another relevant issue, which is stating the belief that the liquid inside is indeed Kool-Aid man's blood. Oh, that is a, that I never thought about that. Well, and it, what's the saying, right? Blood is thicker than water. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I think we solved it might be heavier and you know what else we're going to talk about on this episode we're going to talk about baseball nl central nl central nl central baseball a little bit of baseball (laughs) a little bit of baseball uh we're going to talk nl central offseason grades as we continue that series uh we're also going to be talking about mackenzie gore who looked like he Mm -hmm. was mackenzie gore again Mm -hmm. um so that's really exciting cautiously optimistic we're going to talk about it i think you are less cautiously optimistic yeah i don't know if i'm cautious i'm i'm super optimistic yeah, I'm cautious. So we're okay. going to talk a little bit about that. And then what else am I missing, Jack? There was a few other things we were going to get to because this was a podcast that you were going to host. And then I threw myself a pity party right before and was like, <laughs> I'll host one of these days. And it worked. Now I'm hosting and now I'm, I'm lost. It totally worked. Um, I want to talk about uh, the hashtag rock solid fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to have um, that's the St. Cloud rocks. Actually, that's their motto for the summer in the Northwoods League. But um. I'm adopting it for, for our bandwagon Rockies. They dealt Rymel Tapia. I tweeted, I think his 67% ground ball rate was going to factor in somehow in October. Um, but we can see it happen for Toronto now. Toronto yeah. got a left-handed bat. I think it makes room for them to do something a lot bigger, which we're about to get into right away. But our Rockies pick up Randall Gritchick, baby. 
I actually really like the Randall Gritchick fit. I mean, I'm not even just saying that as like, I know people are going to like not know if we're being facetious or not with our Rockies fandom now. Uh, when we're we, we want to keep that charade up for the entire I know. Well, we all we are, but no, but basic, basic analysis here. It, it is the right move, right? It, Rhino Tapia, I think has a place in, in major league baseball because he puts the bat on the ball. He's a throwback player and you can always use those guys. He's got some speed. He, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, but the one thing he doesn't do is hit the ball in the air. And if there's one environment where you are just really not taking advantage of the environment, it's, it's course field. If you're hitting the ball on the ground more than two thirds of the time, you're probably a waste in that, in that spot. And that's not to say Toppy is a waste of a player. It's just, it's a waste in that environment. Grichuk has power. We know he can really impact the baseball. Now he goes to a place where I think that power is going to tick up to 30 home runs. He's an above average runner. He can play all three outfield spots. I, I actually think he's going to be a, an above average offensive player for them. And you know what? The Rockies need those guys. So I'm in. You know what? In, in two years, in three years, I do not hate the idea of Chris Bryant in left, Randall, Randall Grichik in right, and Zach Veen in center with Ryan McMahon as the third baseman. Like, that's not the end of the world for Rockies fans. And I know some people are kind of down on Michael Tolia. I like Michael Tolia a lot. I think he can be a big league first baseman and a pretty good one, especially at Coors. Um, I don't, they've got some exciting things going on here. And you know what? For 2022, for this big league season, I think you just got a little bit more exciting. And on the Blue Jays side, you got a burner who can hit ninth and can be the center fielder if you need to give Springer a day off. But this also financially opens the door for you to go get the last Boris guy available. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what's the one thing I've been adamant about <laughs> since the beginning. I mean, one thing that I kept hearing from anybody I could reach out to that has a scoop about anything was that the Blue Jays are dead set on getting a left-handed bat. I don't know if Tapia is that left-handed bat, but honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if it was because from some of the names that were being kicked around, some of the discussions that even the Blue Jays had with the Marlins, and I can talk about this now because uh, Craig Mish put it out in the Miami Herald actually the other day, uh, but like even guys like Joey Wendell were of interest to the Jays. So I think they were looking for anybody who didn't stand on the right side of the batters, like yeah. in the right batters box. So I still think Conforto now makes sense because they just cleared up some money. As you mentioned, the Grichuk deal is one of those Grichuk sneakily, sneakily one of those guys that I think you're like, whoa, he makes that much money. Um, yeah, I think it was so, like five years, 52 or something. It, it, was, yeah, a, it was a pretty big I, deal. I'm pretty sure I'm literally pulling it up right now. I think it was backloaded too. It was five years, 52. Um, and I mean, like, that's not a bad deal at all, but I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of change to clear up now after they've spent so much money. Uh, it was, it was 2020 that had the biggest amount of money at 12 million. He's making 9.3 this year and 9.3 next year. So for the Rockies, I mean, that's a, that's a fine amount of money to, to pay for an outfielder. Uh, but for the Jays, that's a nice chunk of change to clear up and they go get Tapia who, you know, I think gives them another look. They needed a lefty bat. Listen, if that if that doesn't tell you how deep in this bullshit sport I am where I know Randall Grichik's exact contract yeah. numbers, I don't yeah. know what will. Like, why I pulled five years 52 out of my ass for Randall Grichik is just because I'm looking at this shit all the time. There was a 99-day <laughs> lockout. Brutal. You were good. You're good with the contracts. You and I are big money guy, like big money contract guys. So yeah. I, I, I'll give you the tip of the cap. You knew that one more than I did. I thought it was actually a little bit more than that um so not a bad deal but also the rockies got half of that contract 
taken care of. I think I, I'm, I'm fairly positive that the Blue Jays also sent over 9.3 mil uh, in that bad. deal. So the Rockies take on a little bit of money, but they have some of that money eaten and they don't really give up anything. So I think that was a great deal for them. hundred uh, percent. I like it. And, and it was a 19 year old minor leaguer, Adrian Pinto, who came over. He was great in the Dominican summer league, but like, who knows? Right. So yeah. Ben Badler with baseball America really liked Adrian Pinto. He, he put out a tweet about that. And I think Ben Badler does phenomenal work, does. especially on the guys that inter- nobody sees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he's great on the internet. I mean, he, he's probably one of the leaders on the international side of things. Probably so, is the leader. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the one thing though, is if I'm the Rockies, I'm not, I, they should be eating more money and not trading prospects. That system already sucks. Uh, but you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> it's just kind of, okay. they're, they're trying to win. Our Rockies yeah. are trying to win. Um, I do want to talk about what this means for Toronto though, because if they do go get Conforto, then you've got Conforto in right. You've got Springer in center and you've got Teoscar or Gurriel in left with the other DHing. That is like, if they add Conforto, it's best offense in baseball. I really believe mm-hmm. um, if they don't, then you've got Rymel Tapia here and he's your fourth outfielder. And I'm kind of all for that. You can have Teoscar in right. You can have Gurriel in left. You could have Springer in center. The DH could be whoever Alejandro Kirk, you know, maybe Danny Jansen, maybe Reese McGuire, maybe Greg bird. Um, and then you can have Tapia off the bench to provide that speed because this Blue Jays offense also lacks a little bit of speed, and Tapia gives them that. I think there is room for Tapia and Conforto on this team. I agree 100%. And, and the, we've seen just in today's game especially, and, and I think a lot of teams are nervous about the injury implications this year. We saw what happened with 2020 and then going into 2021 with the disrupted schedule. Spring training has been a bit haphazard uh, still. I mean, they're doing a good job of, of bootstrapping it, but it's been a bit haphazard. So. I think that teams are a little bit worried about injuries. They want to load manage their guys a little bit NBA style. And we're seeing a lot of teams being more comfortable with having that deeper bench. And it's a big separator, I think. And it's a big thing that you're going to need in today's game. And they needed another lefty bat. So I like the move a lot. And uh, again, I'm just glad the Rockies are giving it a shot. Not yeah. totally a joke. Uh, unlike some of the other teams and, uh, speaking of that, you know, we're going to talk about the Rockies offseason when we get to the NL West edition of this episode, but or, or I guess a di- like episode of this series. But yeah. let's start with the central here. It, there's a lot of different types of offseasons we saw, uh, but I would say the NL Central overall was one of the more quiet divisions in baseball in terms of moves. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you've got some of the headline grabbers like the Cubs. It was, what are they doing? Are they fully launching into the rebuild or are they doing something else? And then you've got the Reds where they just go fire sale because they don't want to pay anybody. But you also have some solid prospect returns, which we talked about on the call up when we did the Reds top 10 prospects. Um, But the Pirates remained quiet. The Brewers, their silence was deafening, which we'll get to. And then mm-hmm. St. Louis, you know, they made they made some complimentary moves, Stephen Matz for four years, uh, but that's really about it. So, you know, I'm actually excited to talk about the NL Central because while they may have lacked the sex appeal in the transactions, um, there's some stuff to be intrigued by here in good ways and in pretty bad ways for a couple of teams. So, how do you want to do this? Because I, I know for for Peter and I, when we did the NL East, it was pretty easy because we just went in order from from worst to best pretty much 
But with the Central, nobody really stands out as the best offseason for me. I mean, I, I think you could make the case of some good moves from some teams, some bad moves from some teams, and some uh, just ridiculous amount of just quiet <laughs> approach from some other uh, in the division. So you want to just kind of haphazardly go through it and go through our grades? Because I, I think we're going to we're going to settle into, I think, a conversation here where by the end we're like, wait, I guess this team had the best offseason. Because I know you and I don't really have a predetermined answer as to who had the best offseason in the Central. We're kind of just going at it. We don't even have predetermined grades here. We, we were talking on the phone. No. We said this is a stream of consciousness Friday episode. Yeah. Um, why don't we work worst to first in the division last year? So we'll go Pittsburgh, then we'll go Cincinnati, then we'll go Chicago. Or did no Cincinnati finished above Chicago? We'll go Pittsburgh, Chicago, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Milwaukee. Cool. I, I'm it. Uh, well, the Pirates didn't do much, right? I mean, but yeah, would, I got them here for you, so we can we can talk about these teams, and then I'll just run through what they did. Um, yeah. Make sure to you know compile in one note. They signed Roberto Perez to be the catcher after they traded Jacob Stallings away. They traded Stallings to the Marlins for Zach Thompson. Kyle Nicholas and Connor Scott. Um, so you got two. We, Zach Thompson was kind of a big league arm. Kyle Nicholas was a major league or was a minor league arm. And then Connor Scott was a minor league right fielder. Let's start with that move. Yeah, honestly, dude, I, I really liked the Zach Thompson uh, trade for, for the Pirates. Thompson's a name that is maybe not known by many. Uh, and, and he's a guy that was with the White Sox actually previously. But something really clicked for him with the Marlins. And this was a dude that I actually ended up watching a ton of when he was with the Fish. And he just has a different way of being able to attack hitters almost every single time he goes out there. He knows his stuff isn't great. Uh, it's not off the charts, but he has an assortment of pitches and he just mixes it up different every single time. He's 28 years old, uh, but he's 6'7", 230. So uh, he's just a dude that I think is good enough to be a back end of the rotation starter is a testament to the Marlins ability to develop arms. And they added the change up with him and that just kind of gave him another look. He's got a really good cutter. If you look at yeah. the opposing batting average on his cutter, it's ridiculous. Now he mixes in some secondaries. That's a big league arm with control that, that helps you, you know, kind of put up the walls of being somewhat competitive and he's still 28. So I like that get obviously Kyle Nicholas is the crown jewel in that return and has big right. time upside has looked good in spring training so far. And Connor Scott's a good flyer too, a guy that is in an organization with the Marlins previously that doesn't develop talent. Well, on the offensive side uh, is a former first round pick with good tools. And that's not a bad flyer to take here as, as that tertiary piece in the deal. Yeah, it, you know, and it hurts when you depart from the gold glover, but you've got a former gold glover coming in in Roberto Perez. They signed him one year, $5 million. If you're going to trade Stallings away for a return, you might as well go get Roberto Perez in a one-year deal, especially because I think there's a really good chance that Henry Davis is up early next year. He really could be. And, and I think they saw it, the Pirates saw it as this opportunity here where, I mean, Stallings he's not going to have a much better year. I think than he had last year. I think no, he it felt repeat. like he was maxing out. I think he can repeat something close to it, right? Like he's going to play that phenomenal defense. He's going to hit. Okay. But he's 32 now. So I think this was the, the prime time to part with him. They got a good return. And I mean, the big league team is, is still pretty solid across the board in terms of like the, the moves that they made to just try to get through until when the prospects are up. I think the best addition that they're going to have though is O'Neill Cruz. Uh, th this team is a lot better than it was last year with some of the vets they brought in, but also the young guys starting to, to break through. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, I'm looking at you know a 2023 lineup where you've got Henry Davis as the catcher, you've got Nick Gonzalez as the second baseman, O'Neill Cruz as the shortstop, Key Brian Hayes as the third baseman, and then you still have control of Brian Reynolds here in center. So I, there are some exciting pieces to Pittsburgh, and you know what? Um, I'm I'm slowly but surely working on a preseason power rankings that's going to go out. We're going to adjust that as the year goes on every Monday. And I don't think the Pirates are the worst team in baseball. Like no. there is some intrigue here. No, I don't think they're, they're the worst team in baseball at all. And, and honestly, they made a couple good low cost moves too. I like the addition of Michael Chavis. I'm not the biggest fan of Chavis, but he's 26 years old with, with a ton of pop. And like, why not take flyers on those kind of guys? Uh, why not throw those guys into the fire and see what happens? I mean, that's a guy that they got for a reliever. Uh, Dan Vogelback, another dude that has big time power. Let's see what happens. Uh, you could say the same with Yoshi Satsugo. So I'm cool with, with a lot of the guys that they kind of have just that they're going to give some runtime to in the meantime, because like you said, that infield is going to be pretty darn solid very soon. And how about Greg Allen as an ad too? Greg Allen can be an outfielder for you. Absolutely. And guys that they could flip potentially too, to just continue to, to replenish that system. Uh, they're, they're not in a horrible spot. It was super low key. If I had to give them a grade, I'd say B minus. Like you got better a little bit. You got better for what you want to do. I don't think they're trying to win a ton of games in 2022, but for 2023 and forward, I think you got a little bit better. You put yourself in a more fortuitous situation. I, and I like the signing of, of Jose Quintana. I mean, Quintana is not. What's the big deal if he stinks? You're right. As somebody that loved Jose Quintana, I just don't. Like he's, he's done. He's done. Maybe he is, maybe he is, but like a one, one year, $2 million deal uh, for a guy that still strikes dudes out. Um, like if he is decent, if he's a decent lefty for you, you're training that guy and you're going to get a couple pieces, you know, you could get a prospect or two. Uh, so like I'm always for rebuilding teams. That's like what you have to do. You need to go get those bounce back vets, give them an opportunity. And if you can do that for 2 million bucks, screw it. Uh, I'm, I'm here for that kind of move. So yeah. I think he could be interesting. Um, and I don't think he's totally cooked. He's 33. Maybe he just needs to get healthy. His stuff just looks cooked though. Doesn't I know it? I, I take a shot, right? Yeah. Like sometimes it's just a 90 mile an hour straight fastball. And I'm like, what yes. are we doing here? Jose Quintana. Do you agree with my B minus or is that a little bit too high? It's tough because like on a rebuild for a rebuilding team, I think everyone's like, well, how are you going to give them a B minus? Like, well, we don't want them just going out there and getting Michael Conforto. Like, that doesn't do anything for them. Right. Um, so you have to take it in the context of who they are as a team and where they are at right now. And also remember that they don't want to block dudes because Nick Gonzalez is not far off. And like you said, the whole infield is not going to be too far off, including the catching position and the outfield. I mean, there's a lot of prospects out there that, that I like in that system that, that are not too far away. If they extended Brian Reynolds, I, I would feel even better about it. I, I would like to see them try to extend him uh, ultimately because the, now's the time to do it if you want to get some value. But I if think you're Reynolds not going to trade him, extend him. Extend him, but I think they're betting on themselves at this point. I, I would have liked to have seen a, a little bit more in terms of, of moves. Like, what are you doing with David Bednar? He was fantastic last year, but like, what are you doing with a closer? Mac, maybe they're going to trade him at some point during the season. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but then you look at it and you're like, what other moves could they have really made? Who else could they have really traded uh, to, to maximize their prospect return? I'll, I'll give them a B minus, I guess. Like 
it wasn't bad. What is sliding the scale? Like C the, is the, the status quo. Yeah, C is the status quo. I think it was slightly better than that. C plus. I'm going C plus. Okay, I can settle on C plus. We give the Pirates a C plus. Um, let's go to the Cubs. This is fascinating, dude. Just running through what they did. They signed Seiya Suzuki, five years, 85 mil. They signed Marcus Stroman, three years, 71 mil. Jan Gomes is their new backup catcher at two years, 13. And then they signed Clint Frazier, Andrelton Simmons to one-year deals, Jonathan VR to a two-year deal, Michael Mike. Givens to a one-plus-one, Jesse Chavez to a one-year deal, Daniel Norris and Stephen Brault to a one-year deal. So they filled out the roster. They added Seiya Suzuki for big money. They added their one, even though Hendricks is probably going to be the opening day starter, like Stroman's going to be the best pitcher in that rotation for 71 mil. Um, it felt like they were all over the place. What did you make of all this? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this team. I still don't, I don't like the team that much. Yeah. Um, but that I hated the team before. So, <laughs> you know, like it, they're a lot better. Um, and I like the moves, right? Like a Seiya Suzuki five year deal, it's lucrative, but it's not 300 million to somebody. So it's, it's a move that helps you in the short term, uh, still gives you time to continue to build in the long term. I like the guys they picked up. Like it gives them a fighting chance, but I still don't really know what the pitching staff's going to look like. And that's my problem, right? Like we're going to shell out some money here and there. Uh, It almost seems like a facade to me, right? Like that, that they know. And I just feel like, you know, that Cubs fans are loyal. And if you give them a a crumb, they're going to, they're going to take that and say, okay, you know what? They, they added some dudes. I'm going to watch now. Uh, I'm going to pay a little bit more attention because to me, like if Andrew Simmons is your starting shortstop, you're in trouble. I, it, he's done. Talk about cooked. That guy is cooked. Uh, why is he your shortstop? I feel like they, if they really were keen on winning, that guy's not your shortstop. Uh, if you're really keen on winning, your rotation doesn't have Alec Mills in it. I, I, that's just kind of how I feel. Drew Smiley, I think is an interesting upside guy. Uh, health has always been an issue for him. He was, yeah. he was okay last year. But I mean, if Drew Smiley and Alec Mills are, are two guys in your rotation, I, I just don't feel great about it. And I think Wade Miley is regression candidate number one, right? Yes. And, and Kyle Hendricks, like the, he's exhibit A, patient zero of regression. And then Kyle Hendricks looks to be fading a little bit. I mean, is this a lot of this it? Could be one of the worst rotations in baseball, frankly? Yeah, it really can. And and Adbert Alzali is starting to come back from a strained lat. I want to say. Um, so we'll see how the back responds. Um, there's a chance it doesn't respond well. So if it's Stroman and everybody else, some of whom you're paying fourteen million dollars to, like Hendricks, some of them you're paying, you know, hardly any money to, like Alec Mills. Um, that's a problem, but you mentioned like the underwhelming offense here. Like they got a teensy bit more exciting. Say Suzuki is going to be in right, but Ian Happ's going to be in left. And then you're looking at somebody like Rafael Ortega in center, or maybe Nico Horner in center and Clint Frazier and Jason Hayward as the backups get Brennan Davis up ASAP. Please. Um, he looks good. He, he looks, looks good. good. He looks what, good. Let what's him the Cubs strength? month in Iowa. What's the Cubs strength? Um, I don't Wrigley Field, <laughs> like right. being able their to sell base. tickets, their, their fan, fan base. Like that's my problem is what are the Cubs? What's the Cubs strength? I feel like they, they t- scraped the surface of a few different areas, right? Well, we're improving pitching a little bit. We improve the offense a little bit. We improve the bullpen a little bit. All of those things sucked. Now they're a little bit less sucky. I, 
I like the moves in a vacuum, like getting VR is, is a good low cost move for a guy that you could potentially flip. If you stink Suzuki, ultimately I think was a risk that they had to take because Suzuki has the ability to be an all-star, right? Like Correct. we look at Suzuki swing, we look at his tools. We'll have to see how he translates, but this guy could be a high end all-star. Like that's a flyer worth taking with the state of the organization right now. I love the flyer on Clint Frazier. That's something that, is worth a shot for a 27 year old who's uber talented. I like those moves, but what are they? Who are they? And what are they trying to do? I don't know if we can answer those questions. And for that reason, I, it's a C plus for me, man. Yeah. I, my thing is like, I still got to figure out who Frank Schwindel is. I got to figure out who Patrick wisdom is to be totally honest. I got to figure out who Madrigal and Horner are the Cubs because do, do we know, do we actually know? I don't think so. I know we really like the idea of Horner being at his best. I know we really like the idea of Madrigal hitting 320 with a 320 slugging, but who knows if it's actually going to happen. What's Ian Happ giving you? You don't, don't even like- know that. I don't know. You, know they, you you really have no idea what you're getting from really anybody. I'm looking down the order. Like, I'm saying like, across the whole board, you don't know what you're getting from anybody except for Stroman, uh, Contreras. And- Maybe Wilson Contreras. And then you know what you're getting from Hayward and you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. You're hoping you get what you don't th- like. You're hoping you don't get what you think from from Hayward. It's tough, man. It- so that's the thing, though. So maybe they're maybe they're slow rolling it. They want to answer those questions before they go all in um, or really try to win. That's my issue. So then I guess if that's the case, then maybe it's closer to a B minus, right? Like they're not trying to put themselves in a risky situation yet. They help their team in the short term in terms of being more watchable while also still helping them in the long term. Like the, the problem is the reason why it's hard to grade them is if if they came out and said, we're trying to win right now, then obviously it's a horrible offseason. Then it's but an I think F. Even if they, yeah, it's like yeah, an F minus. But even, even if they said that, we would know that it's not true. So talk this out, saying stream of consciousness here. I'd go to a B minus because they're set with some of the pieces for the future without compromising. You know, they don't want to compromise the future. They want to get a little bit better now. They did it. I'll give them a B minus. Let, let's go individually before we give them the whole grade. Say a Suzuki, I'm giving them a B plus on, maybe A minus on. I think it's, yeah, it's an A minus. I, I think they had to take that chance. Simmons is a D plus. Yeah, just, just, I, I'm surprised that there was a market for him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Clint Frazier, I like B plus. B plus. Jan Gomes, C minus. Like, yeah, there were cheaper backup catchers. Yeah, I, I didn't really get that one. Wade Miley, C, C plus. He feels like a an average starting pitcher that you signed. Yeah, you know, my thing with Miley is like we talk about him being regression candidate number one, but this rotation is so bad that that was like a must. I'll give him a B minus on that one. And then the bullpen you needed to add because it was a bad bullpen. And then your prized piece, Cody Hoyer, is, you know, he's he's on the shelf with Tommy John issues. So, I mean, you added David Robertson, Michael Givens, Daniel Norris, and Jesse Chavez. I like. I'll give that a B. I don't know. They added Chris Martin too. I'll give yeah, that. Yeah, so they like, added Chris Martin too. I'll give that a B. I thought they did okay with the bullpen. I think they did okay with the bullpen. So yeah. can we yeah. settle on B minus? David Robertson. Did you mention him? Yeah. Can we settle yeah. on B minus? 
Yeah, B minus is what I'm thinking here. Okay. Um, so and on, honestly, dude, Wade Miley, they gave up nothing for. So I I guess you got to give that a, like a B. <laughs> so yeah, B minus overall. Got you. Um, all right. So C plus for Pittsburgh, B minus for the Cubs. Let's talk about Cincinnati because today they just signed Tommy Pham, one year, seven and a half million dollars. They also signed Donovan Solano, one year, four and a half. I think we mocked him to to the Reds. I think our- we did. We did because they need a guy that hits lefty. Solano does it. I think that was like one of those that was like Solano needs to go here because I love Donovan Solano. Yeah, right. So um, they did sign Fam and Solano, but aside from that, it was tearing it down. Uh, they lost Nick Castellanos to free agency. They didn't even, I think, make a bid for him. Uh, they traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to Seattle for Justin Dunn, Brandon Williamson, Jake Fraley, and a player to be named later. They traded Sonny Gray and Francis Piguero for Chase Petty to Minnesota. And then they traded Tucker Barnhart just before the lockout to Detroit for prospect Nick Quintana. They tore it down. They got some decent prospects in return. So you can be conflicted here. Do I think they did well in the prospect department? Yeah. Uh, Do I think that they're cheapos and don't want to contend right now, even though they have some exciting pieces? Also, yes. So one of one half of my brain is saying D minus one half of my brain is saying B. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing, but I, I'm, I'm really, I have really tried to make the case for the, and I know like the reds are, they did not need to burn it down the way that they did, but how was this team? I, I was asking some reds fans that were pushing back at me on this. How would you have made the reds a winner? in 2022 if you kept the band together first of all you would have to bring back castellanos to not lose any ground right so you bring back castellanos now you're a top 12 payroll team which is already a tall ask i think for the cincinnati reds you're a top 12 payroll team just to be what you were again last year now how do you make that team better who are you in on what do they do to to get themselves up to another level i know people were like Reds fans were saying to me, well, oh, the bullpen was really bad in points and this was bad at points and they'll be better next year. Like, you don't know that. The limitations were the limitations. They were non-competitive against lefties. They were the worst team in baseball against lefties for the most part. It it didn't matter who was pitching out there. Dylan Peters was shutting them down. They were liability defensively in a lot of different ways. And they were just inconsistent pitching-wise. Like, how do you make that team a winner? You were handcuffed is what you're saying. Correct. Is it, do you have an answer to that? Like, do you, what would be the way that you would make that team a winner? I I don't know. Like, to be honest, I don't, I don't think they timed the success of their big league team and the success of the farm up correctly. Like I think the farm is a year behind where the big league team was before you needed to make a decision on them. And I think they saw that. And, and what I see from, from them is like, let's restructure here. And I like a lot of the moves, frankly, I don't think you're winning with Jesse Winker. I really don't. I like Jesse Winker, but he's li- like, I love him. He's a fan favorite. He's fun to watch. He crushes righties, but let's be real. He struggles to stay healthy. He can't hit lefties for the life of him. He's a 570 OPS guy against lefties. He is a net negative defender. So they had too many dudes like that and no money to fix it. And they were a one dimensional team to get rid of a Eugenio Suarez to get, you know, I think to replace Winker, with a guy like Fraley, who's kind of like the, the B grade version of him, but that's yeah. fine. I, I'm okay with it because they now was not the time for the Reds, in my opinion. I know people might disagree, but 
I think the time's in a year or two, and they're going to be set up really nicely when that time comes. Which sucks. And and you want to be in denial um, because you want Joey Votto to win in Cincinnati. But the reality is until Votto's off the books, the Reds are not going to win there because they can't spend in the right ways. Uh, Moustakis comes off the books for them very soon, as does Joey Votto. So you know what? When you get that many millions of dollars freed up and you've got Lodolo, Green, Williamson, Dunn, Castillo, if you hold on to him and maybe Petty joining the fold, you've got an exciting and young pitching staff. You've got the reigning NL Rookie of the Year in Jonathan India. You've got some other pieces that are somewhat exciting. Jose Barrero in the infield too. Go spend your money to fill in the holes that you find in two years on the roster, and then you can turn into a team that can win the National League Central. I'm with you. And you know what, dude? I think this team is going to be sneaky, like, okay. (laughs) Because they're they're going to hit lefties better, which is the ironic thing. They're going to put up a better OPS this year against lefties than they did last year. Uh, They're not going to punish righties the same way. But at least it's not a guaranteed loss every time a lefty goes out there. I will say, too, I didn't hate the Colin Moran signing. I could see his power shining through there a little bit. Uh, That's a guy that's showed flashes of being able to swing it for some power. He's inconsistent, but he could he could play up a little bit there. I loved the Solano edition. Senzel, if he's if he's healthy, he's 26. Senzel is going to get a shot now. Barrero is going to get a shot now. They're going to figure out a little bit more of what they have going on. Tyler Stevenson is good like this is still a good team yeah still a good team i did getting far i did getting a barnhart out so you could make room for tyler stevenson to be an everyday guy and i like tucker barnhart i think barnhart is a good addition for the detroit tigers i just think stevenson is the better catcher objectively totally uh and and i think the tommy fam addition is fine he's a good bounce back candidate that one crushes lefties. So again, they had now have two lefty killers. They, they acknowledged a weakness and, and attacked it. And they got two lefty killers uh, that, you know, are really gap to gap guys that I think can see their power tick up. Look, this is not going to be a team that's very exciting or that's going to light it up, but the pitching staff is still fine with Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo. Mike Miner is a dude, like he's going to be kind of similar to, I think what you can expect from Wade Miley, Vladimir Guerrero is, is, or Vladimir Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero. I love the addition of Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero was a great get for the Reds. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, there's a rotation a year from now that is feasibly Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo, uh, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, who we both, both those guys could be up this year. Uh, And Brandon Williamson and Justin Dunn, if he's healthy. And that's one of the most, exciting, young, controllable, and cheap rotations in baseball, which then allows the Reds to invest a lot more into their offense. As you mentioned, the guys coming off the books, you also have Eugenio Suarez now off the books, which is big. They're going to be ready to strike in, in a year or two. And I know Reds fans might not trust that they will, but I think they will. I think they're really setting themselves up here. And would you rather them try to flirt with 500 and try to make a push for that second wild card spot and be in the purgatory or restructure. This isn't a rebuild. I think they're going to be ready to go in two years latest and, and strike the right way. I think this was necessary. And I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I do, I really do. No, I I'm with you, man. The question is, would you rather repeat 2021 or have the excitement in Louisville and Chattanooga like you do now? Look, if I own this team or if I'm at the helm here and you know, I have a multi-year contract. I'd, I'd rather do this I'm because, I, too. 
because like, if it's, it's easy to say when you're a fan and you want to see the best team possible year in and year out, if I, if this is my job that I'm fighting for, I want to do it right. And this is the way to do it right. Because in two years, this could be a team that is really fun, really fun. Um, and, and they have the pieces that I think are going to be in place to be cheap and then go get the bats that you need to get. Sorry, I, I Red fans. Watchable. Yeah, just sorry, Reds fans. We like what they did. <laughs> like we thought it was necessary. Yeah. We liked what they did. Can we go ahead and give it a B? Yeah. Yeah. I think look, I'll wear this one. Like I'll I'll wear it. Like I, I get the frustration. And I know that the, the simple move would be, oh, well, then just spend more and be top six in payroll. That's not gonna happen. You can't do that in Cincinnati. No, and, and if you're a GM and you know that, like if this was my job on the line, like I said, I would be doing just this, and I'm sorry. Yeah, they're going to be clipping at the heels of the top dogs soon, and both of the top dogs were very, very quiet. Let's start with St. Louis, who lost the NL wildcard game to the Dodgers, and then we'll get to the division winner last year in the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cardinals signed Stephen Matz to four years, $44 million. They signed Corey Dickerson to one year, five, and they got – Nick Whitgren in the bullpen, and that's kind of it. Nick Whitgren. Yeah, they didn't do anything. <laughs> um, I mean, like it was it was a really important move to get Steven Matz. They needed pitching in the worst way. Uh, Matthew Libertor is going to be up early, early, early. I think he could be up. Uh, he could be up by opening day. I don't know if they're going to do that. We'll I hope so. See. I'd hope so, but it's probably going to be closer to you know a month or two into the season. Uh, Dakota Hudson looked good in the limited action we got to see down the stretch. That's a big, you know, bounce back candidate for them. So I think they were really betting on their guys being able to bounce back and be healthy in that rotation. I would have liked to have seen them get another arm, frankly. I know that was something we talked about in the uh, bullpen or sorry, in the uh, GM episode where we were just saying like, yeah, they need to find some more arms. They didn't necessarily do that. um, And that's a bit of a concern. But, I mean, this team didn't need to do much, Jack. They got a lot of money coming off the books next year with the retirement of Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Um, That's going to allow them, and Miles Michaelis will be coming off the books, who's another sneaky, expensive dude. Oh, yeah, he sucks money out of him. What's he, like 14 mil, right? More. I'm almost positive. Oh, my God. I'm almost positive more. Um, My guess is 16, but let's, let's look. He signed a four year, $68 million deal. Oh my God. 15.75. Oh my God. For the next two years. Yeah. Yeah. With a five mil signing bonus. So it's really a $17 million luxury tax salary this year. So he, he's expensive. So you have, you have a good deal of money coming off the books. And sometimes you look at a team, you're already talented you don't want to just sign dudes just to sign them, right? When you know you can come back next year or in two years and have a lot more capital to spend. I think they were good, but I mean, I, I think they, they needed to get another arm in the fold, especially with the health concerns of Jack Flaherty. 100%. I'm just looking at the lineup right now, and it looks like they might have nine goal glovers at nine positions, which is Correct. just crazy. Didn't they win four last year? Yeah, I mean, were they nominated for six? I think so. Uh, the winners were Goldschmidt, Edmund, Bader, and O'Neill, if I'm not mistaken. But Arenado. you're looking. Uh, oh, Arenado. I totally forgot about Arenado. Never lost. He's never lost. God. Never lo- LeVar Ball. Never lost. Never lost. 
Um, behind the plate, you got Yadi Molina. At first, you got Paul Goldschmidt. Tommy Edmonds at second. At short is probably going to be a mix of Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa. We wish they went with a big free agent there, but you know what? If they weren't going to spend, they didn't do it. What do you think there? Like, do you wish they had story on this team or no? Okay. Well, I would love to see story and Arenado like back on the left side. That'd be pretty wild. Yes. I could, I could justify that. But again, like, I don't, I don't want to spend just to spend. And I like Sosa. Sosa, I know he struggled defensively on the big stage, but he is another dude that is gold glove caliber defensively. The Cardinals like him. He flies. They need speed outside of Tommy Edmond. And Paul DeYoung's a great bounce back candidate, has a ton of power, and is another above average defender. I'm cool with that platoon. I actually like it. I would way, way rather have seen them spend $100 million on an arm than, you know, like, like Marcus Stroman should be, a cardinal the cardinals yes be a cardinal or bassett should be a cardinal yeah why are you not trading for chris bassett you you can't match jt ginn and and adam aller also can you not go get manaya or frankie montas right now you've got maybe they will i the the cardinals are a team that like could come out of nowhere and make that move though right but here's the problem you had katie Wu on from the athletic you know covering the cardinals and she said they're not trading from that big three at the top prospect wise I still think they could get somebody without doing that. Absolutely. Right? Juan Yepes, Lars Newtbar. I mean, like those guys are good, big league ready prospects that could help you get somebody that you need to get right now. And they have still like guys like Mason Wynn. We, we traded some of those dudes away. They could make a deal. Why haven't they? Uh, okay. So they like Newtbar. I know they like Newtbar. He's obviously a fan favorite because his name is freaking Lars Newtbar. Then why'd you sign Corey Dickerson? So hear me out though. I'm more willing to depart with Newtbar than Yepes right now, because I think Arenado at third, and then you've got the outfield left to right of O'Neill, Bader, Carlson, platoon DH spot between Dickerson and Yepes. I kind of love that platoon DH spot. And you know, it's funny. I love that too. I thought it was going to be a platoon of Yepes and Newt Bar. The problem is that's two rookies, essentially. Platoon. Right. That's a nightmare. And Dickerson is a vet that you put him in the right spots. He can swing it, right? If you shelter him from lefties, he will crush righties in the right spots, especially when he's hot. That kind of tells me that maybe one of those guys are gone. Pure speculation. But you talk about platooning one young guy with upside and a veteran high four or guy then one of us be new bar obviously here since you brought in the lefty new bar seems a man out kind of uh, i know they like him but you what are you doing there i guess he's the fourth outfielder but isn't dickerson by nature the fourth outfielder and yepes can play a little bit of outfield too the cardinals are a rare team where your fourth outfielder doesn't need to be defensively minded because the other three are already defensive studs what's going on there I wonder if one of these guys is being shopped and they're kind of waiting. And so just before the season, because God forbid somebody gets hurt, whatever may happen, you're going to kick yourself if you trade in one of your big league bats. But right. this could be one of those like 11th hour deals. 100%. Uh, Newt Bar and a prospect outside of your big three, go get a starter, especially because uh, shoulder bursitis for Jack Flaherty makes this rotation look like shit. I mean, this rotation would look a lot better if Flaherty was headlining it. But the reality is, without Flaherty, you're looking at Wayno, Mats, who has struggled to stay healthy over the last couple of years, and then Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, and Jake Woodford. If you don't go trade for a starter and Flaherty's not ready, 
Libby better be on the opening day roster. He better be be on the opening day roster. And he better be good, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I like Libby. We both do. Um, I think he's going to be a good big leaguer, but it's like it's like the Angels relying on on Reed Detmers to help them last year. Yeah, it's just not fair. It's no. just not feasible. I, I think that that could be the same thing we see as Libby comes up and he struggles a little bit. I think yes. Libby's going to integrate himself a bit better at the big league level. He's not as reliant on on his fastball like Reed is, uh, and, and I think Reed's going to be a star too. But you know that that's a guy that is a candidate to struggle in the transition, and he was a fast track guy because of their situation. I love the bullpen for the Cardinals. They didn't really need to make any moves it. there. Getting Jordan Hicks back is really exciting. Uh, Anthony Mulrine, who we just had on the call up, he caught a little bit of Jordan Hicks uh, over in the Arizona Fall League, and he was like, dude, it was so cool. Just 102 turbo sinkers. I was like, I'm sure. cool for you. For me, it's my nightmare. Nightmare. I, I'd be terrified. But, like, that's a guy that if he's healthy, he's 25 still, man. Like, yeah, he's, I know. He's got a lot of potential, and they want to stretch him out. They might try to make him a starter, too, which is – crazy for a guy with injury risk but they, they want to use him a little bit more as a swiss army knife apparently I, I that might just be a little bit of just fluff reporting but I, I would i would be interested I, it would be cool i that's how he first came up so maybe they want to play around a little bit uh yeah. but i really struggle I, these grades are arbitrary by nature jack but i think a, a factor in these offseason grades is what you could have done and i think mm-hmm not doing something that they could have done hurts. And I think it was pretty easy to address the rotation and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that hurts them. Yeah. I want to say C minus. So you think they're worse than last year? I think they could have gotten better and they didn't. And I think being stagnant is not, you know, C level. I don't think it's replacement level. I think if you are a wild card team and you didn't do anything to get better, you're getting worse. Okay. So. Status quo is technically C minus then, huh? Status quo is technically C. But I think by being stagnant as a contender, like if the Cubs yeah, did okay, nothing, okay. it was a C. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, if you yeah, do yeah. nothing as a contender, I think that drops you half a grade from the status quo. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I like the Matt signing. They went 40 years because it's low AAV. And I mean, Corey Dickerson is like, they're better, right? Like are, they're better than they were last year yeah but are they that much better you know what no, i mean no 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 but they're they're that's why i go see that's the thing play but like playoff team you have to go get a starter if i'm I, able to tell you like as soon as you get bounced you have to go get multiple starters and they only get one that's about offseason and not a great one either yeah i i'm going C just because they technically are slightly better, but anybody else, like it would probably be a C plus, but yeah, because they're teetering right on the edge and did nothing so far. I'm going to go C because Matt's is still uh, an upgrade from what Mm -hmm. they were dealing with. And Dickerson is a vet bat. I'm, I'm a, I'm like, I wish there was between C and C minus, but I'll go, I'm going to go C just because I think getting those two guys is, is enough to, to keep them from, saying they got worse or, or anything like that. Okay. So yeah, I I'll settle on C with you here because I'm going to be harsh on Milwaukee when we get to them right now. Uh, but so far we've got the Cardinals at a C the pirates at a C plus the Cubs at a B minus and the reds at a B. Um, you ready for uh, Milwaukee? Yeah. So this ended up just kind of being a bash session on the, uh, 
on on the NL Central except for the Reds, which is the team that everybody's bashed. Which is weird. Like, we didn't really bash the Cubs. Um, like a little bit above average, but like you mentioned off the top, this was a pretty underwhelming offseason for the NL Central. But it's yeah. a fascinating offseason to go through. And I think Milwaukee's the most fascinating because they won the division last year. And what do they do? They let Avi Garcia walk. They let Eduardo Escobar, who they traded for at the deadline, walk. Um, aside from that, you signed Andrew McCutcheon to a one-year, $8.5 million deal, which we both kind of like. Um, you acquired Hunter Renfro from Boston for Jackie Bradley Jr. and two pretty solid prospects and David Hamilton and Alex Benelis. And then you re-signed Brad Boxberger, and you got a backup catcher in Pedro Severino. They didn't get better. I don't think because you lose Garcia and Escobar, you add Renfro, you're netting maybe negative. You add Renfro and McCutcheon, you're netting zero or negative. Yeah, that's that's a good question, actually. Let's start, let's start with that. So you lose Eduardo Escobar, you lose Avi Garcia. Yeah, I mean, you're you're I think Renfro is pretty pretty similar to Avi Garcia, personally. Okay, um, so yeah. let's call that let's call that a wash. Now, because Renfro is going to give you some some better D overall, I think, even though he's hit or miss. Well, yeah, look, look, I think people will say Avi was better last year, but for the amount of money that Avi costs, Renfro's cheaper. I'll call that a wash, you know? Okay, call that a wash. Now we're looking at not having Eduardo Escobar and Daniel Vogelbach to fill some DH spots, um, but you did add Andrew McCutcheon. McCutcheon's a platoon guy, right? Like, that's, that's it. Um, that's what he's at now. He's still fast, which is awesome. Like he's yeah. still a 90th percentile sprint speed guy. Yeah. So I, I assume he can still play some decent center, which is he, he's a good backup for Lorenzo Kane as well, who's getting up there in age now and going to be 36. And, uh, you know, when he's healthy, he can still play. Uh, but, you know, he's missed a lot of time over the last couple of seasons. Right. So what do you do to get an old outfielder off of his feet? You sign another old outfielder. Exactly. I think I, you're just, you're just uh, get playing the percentages, giving yourself, I always say like throwing more irons in the fire. McCutcheon helps them a lot from the standpoint that he just pummels lefties still. And in that ballpark, he's going to pummel, pummel lefties. So I'm excited. I think they're going to get in the way that they use McCutcheon. They're going to get really good production out of him. Um, Mike Brasso was a very low key trade with the Rays. um, and, And that's one that I think he gets a lot of run at first base against the lefties. Brasso is, legitimately unusable against righties at the big league level. And I don't even say that to be mean, like he is unusable. I think in his career, he is a 204 hitter against righties uh, with four home runs, but he's a 277 hitter against lefties with 12 home runs. And last year, I think it was like four for 50 against righties. I mean, the guy got sent down, but 131 WRC plus in his career against lefties, 74 WRC plus against righties. So that's a guy that can give you a lot in the platoon department as well. It seems like they're kind of taking a little bit of a page out of the Giants book. Like we're not going to be the most electric offense in the world, or at least they didn't think they were going to be. The thing is the Giants ended up being electric, but I think they took the, the page out of the book of we don't have everyday guys dominating, but we have a bunch of guys that can dominate in the right spots. And uh, that's all they really need with this pitching staff, though. That's the thing. Okay, so now here's my thinking on this. They've got arguably the best pitching staff in baseball, best starting rotation in baseball, and one of the best bullpens in baseball. You've got the best reliever. You could argue that you have two of the best five with Hayter and Devin Williams, and then the front three of the reigning NL Cy Young winner, Corbin Burns, and then Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta with, um, I mean, Hauser, Lauer, Ashby as four, five, and six. I like 
you've got a chance to do something really special. You just have to look at the bats and you have to improve the bats to win right now. And I just don't think they did that whatsoever. No. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't, right. I mean, they didn't get better offensively. And I think the way they look at it is like, Hey, we already made our big addition with Willie Adamas during the season last year. Uh, Christian Yelich has got to give us more. Uh, and they're hoping you will Renfro is a dude that offensively in that ballpark is, is probably going to turn into more of that. I I wouldn't say turn into, cause he hit 31 last year, but I think he's going to, he could push, he could push 40, bro. Like he could push 40. He could, he could, but he's not going to get on base. I mean, a lot of this team is kind of the same way. My big issue is first base because that is the easiest position. If I'm limited offensively, again, like let's pretend we're taking over this team and I look at the team and I'm like, okay, I don't want to make any, any moves too crazy because this is already a really darn good team. The easiest position I think to upgrade your offense in baseball is first base, right? It's so simple. They went out and got Rowdy Telez during the season last year. I thought that was a good low cost in season move. Telez can, can swing it a little bit. Uh, We know he struggles against lefties and it looks like it's going to be a platoon situation there, but I mean, he wasn't that good last year. And, and this is a first baseman, right? 89 WRC plus last year. So that's well below average or 11% below average, right? Or yeah. technically it's not really, high. that's not how that works, right? It would be no, 89 is what percent of a hundred. Yeah, I guess that works. That yeah, works. 11%. Okay. I don't know why, why I just overthought that. Rain fart, uh, man. But yeah, holy crap. Yeah. Can, can we cut this? No, I'm kidding. No. Um, but the, the important thing to me is, is this. First base, the average WRC plus is 110. So that's a it's a position where offense is already above average. So right. you're giving up. Here's some good math. You're giving up 21% production. Love, love right? it. Good job. You're giving up 21% production here. It's not just a, a below league average. Below league average for the positions, another 10%. So yeah. that's what really bothers me. And also it's so easy. They could bring back Jesus Aguilar from the Marlins in two seconds. And now that's a huge upgrade. Easy. You could go, you go get anybody. You could go get, I could probably give you a laundry list of a dozen plus players, low cost that you can get and stick them at first. Dude, base. Go get Gavin sheets and let him play first base. Anybody there's so you Seth beer, bro. Like right. I, you, you could get so many dudes that would hit better than that right now. That's my problem. It's so easy to, to, to address first base. Yeah. It's tough, man. Like, I just wish they did so much more offensively and they did not because they have this generational rotation that they, they, it felt like they fell backwards into, right? The Dodgers, we knew that like they had guys coming up in Bueller and Urias and it was like, okay, I mean, this is setting up really well for them. And obviously you see it on paper for the Mets and when DeGrom and Scherzer just shred everybody, we're going to say, wow, like this was obvious. We saw it coming. With the Brewers, I don't think anybody saw the success of the rotation last year coming. You saw a little glimpse of Burns in 2020. You saw Woodruff tick up in 2020. And then Freddie Peralta came out of nowhere. And all three of them put together a 2021 for the ages. Now you have this wonderful trio and the best trio in baseball that you just fell backwards into. What do you do to complement that? And the answer for David Stearns this offseason was next to nothing. That's why I say D plus. Whoa. You said D plus. Yeah, I told you I was going to be harsh, man. It, I'm, I'm serious. If you stay stagnant, you are regressing. If you are a division winner, if you get bounced in the NLDS and you do nothing, 
while the Dodgers went and got Freddie Freeman, you're getting worse. And I'm with you. The Braves got Kenley Jansen and Matt Olson. It's true. It's true. You know what, dude? You were talking about Colin Moran. You want to go full circle? Colin Moran, I honestly think, would be an upgrade to Rowdy Telez at this point offensively. Where do you think Rowdy Telez ranks among among first basemen with 300 plate appearances last year in WRC plus. So I know he just was like first a, baseman, just first baseman, just first baseman. I know he was like a seven fifteen OPS guy, which is just brutal. So I'm talking, yeah. WRC plus wise. Um, w, you said in 89 WRC plus. Yeah. And, and the league average at first base was one ten in 2021. Um, how many, how many first basemen qualified? You have uh, that number. 38 38 i bet he was 30th 35 oh behind miguel cabrera paven smith jace peterson who by the way is he playing third for them so i think luis urias should probably play third for them but urias is like kind of dinged up right now so it looks like uh if urias can't get back to full strength jace peterson might be their opening day third baseman dude eric hosmer was better last year Ooh, ooh, ooh. 102 wrc plus with better defense I mean, you could have got Brad Miller, who would be an upgrade at first base. Like, this isn't an exaggeration. I think people are like, oh, yeah, but if you platoon Rowdy, splits, whatever. I don't want to platoon my first baseman. There's so many dudes out there that can swing it. Especially now because you're in the NL and you have to add a spot in the order. You have to fill a spot with the bat in the DH. Go get a clunker, bro. Like, there's so many. Go re-sign Vogel back. Trade for Josh Bell. I I don't care. I don't even like Josh Bell that's that's my big issue um it's the easiest thing to address and they have yet to do it uh not to mention there were plenty of free agents that could have scooped up too uh just to me just too too easy and and almost just negligence at that point um I, you know we they didn't really need to do anything on the starter side did they really need to do much on the bullpen side jack no i i like that they re-signed boxberger yeah i'm serious man d plus I'm, I'm with you. I think on this. You one. Sure, you sound very hesitant. It sounds like you want to give them a C minus. Look, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't. If, if I were a grader, if I were a professor or a teacher, I just, I wouldn't give out a lot of bad grades because I got so many of them. Yeah, you'd be the cool guy. You, you want to yeah. be friends with your students. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just saw, I just butchered eleven percent. I don't even know. <laughs> I, you know what I thought? You know what I, what I got caught in? Was like eight, if if it was 11 lower than 89, right? It's not 11%, right? Like, I don't know. I, right, I like, right, right. So like, I, but it's out of 100. It's, it's, no, it's a gift. The it's reason, a gift from the number gods. Yeah, we like the plus stats because it's simple addition, subtraction from 100. Correct. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think D plus because they didn't need to do much, but did they, nothing. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were talking about teams that like, if you needed to do something, and you didn't do enough. Like, yeah, that's that's frustrating. This team, they barely needed to do shit. Like, it's so easy to, to do this. I, I would take – I think the average baseball fan could have improved this team more at low cost. I know they don't have a ton of prospects. Again, first base is easy to address. Yeah, I, I'm going to go D+. Plus. I'm going to go D+. Plus. Cool. I'm glad we agree. So, final grades here. Um, the Reds got a B. The Cubs got a B-. minus. The Pirates got a C plus, the Cardinals got a C, and the Brewers got a D plus. So 
How about that? Uh, I do want to wrap real quick talking about the two arms that I have oohed and odd over the last couple of days watching spring training. First of all, thank God spring training ball is back. Um, I am missing the first two innings of Carlos Rodon throwing for the Giants, but I will absolutely watch it back tomorrow. But two guys I've been super impressed by. I'm going to save the more controversial one for second. Um, Mitch Keller looks great for Pittsburgh. <laughs> he's just pumping 100 now all of a sudden. That's... He's pumping 100. I mean, I saw him dotting 98, 99. Apparently, he's doing this Kikuchi drill. You say Kikuchi invented this drill where like your heels come up before you drive. I don't know. It kind of sounds the next like... Robbie Ray, by the way. Uh, Mitch Keller is the next Robbie no, Ray? No, no, no. You say Kikuchi. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I didn't know you say Kikuchi had a drill. It, it felt very Drew Storen like you remember that, uh, he was that weird platform that would like fall down when you adjusted your weight and you drove forward. Yeah. What was that called? Do you remember? I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but no idea. What yeah. Storen invented it. Um, I just remember that was the first time I saw an iPad, like filming somebody like that was the first time I ever saw somebody film their bullpen and they were, <laughs> they were filming themselves do the Storen thing before they threw their bullpen. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I like Mitch Keller. He looks great. What's fun about it. Obviously it's 98 to hundred now. Um, but he's, he's pinpoint with the fastball right now in the couple of innings that I've seen from him and his breaking pitches look really strong. I, I I'm interested. I, I gotta, I gotta watch like a full start dude. Cause yeah. I'm not just going to be sold on Mitch Keller. Okay. He throws gas now. Like he he's good. Um, I, I need to see a little bit more, but I mean, that's a really exciting development for them because they, they need him. Um, so yeah, it's been fun to watch Cal to just see how fluid things can be for pitchers. You make a small night, you're pumping 99. Um, and he's still young, what, 26 years old. So mm-hmm. spring training is always a nice little glimpse into what can happen. What I love though, is sometimes we get this crazy hype, uh, and then they, they stink in, in the regular season, but I think Keller, there's a tangible adjustment here. And I'm interested to see how that translates into, you know, more stretched out starts. I was sitting here like trying to Google drive platform, like pitchers, power drive. Is it power drive? Is that what it's called? Drew store and pitchers, power drive. Uh, drive. I want to make sure that's what it is. I'm I'm clicking on buy right now. I'm taking you through this. Um, Yes. The power drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, For all you YouTube folk, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my iPad up to the screen and show you exactly what I'm talking about. This thing right here. Remember that? the platform where you would put your foot midway through and then you would like point your butt towards home plate and it would tilt and then you would drive forward. This is to click. Oh, I read that as, as something else. Click to view item details. Yeah. Power drive performance, the professional pitchers, power drive drew Storen's thing. Um, But yeah, when I heard that Keller learned something from you say Kikuchi, I just thought about that. Um, Yeah. I like Keller next one to wrap real quick. Mackenzie Gore, dude, I've watched all like five innings he's thrown this spring in full. And after seeing him throw in high A last year, like trying to rediscover something after looking mentally lost, Mm -hmm. I loved everything that I saw from Gore and his stuff looked lively again. He looked confident. That was the thing too. He looked confident. The stuff stuff was like always there, right? I mean, we saw him start to baby it and aim it at times, but I mean, even in the Arizona Fall League, when he was still struggling out there, it was 95, 96, breaking ball looked good. But I mean, he was, I watched a sequence where he starts 
left off with the slow curve called strike and then goes to the fastball, blows it by him. And then, you know, goes to another curveball, see ya. And it's just like, that was the Mackenzie Gore that we always knew. It's like, he's going to mix it up. He's going to throw four different pitches whenever. You don't know what he's going to go to and what counts. You can't really game plan for him. And he's confident in all of his pitches and he's athletic on the mound and he repeats his mechanics and he's explosive and he's fun and he works quick. Like that guy was lost last year. That guy was back on that spring training. uh, I would say, I guess like on the stage, but I mean, I'm still cautiously optimistic because we have a full year of mental struggles and physical struggles uh, and five innings now of success. I'm rooting for him very much rooting for him, but I'm not going to just like bump him back up to the top 15 on the prospect list now and say Mackenzie Gore is back to everything we thought. I was, I was live texting uh, the group of, of just baseball writers while I was watching Gore back today. Um, I watched his start again and I said, Gore should be San Diego's five. And I got a little bit of shit and I said, watching it back now, he looks solved. And then you said, going to need more than five innings to prove Gore to me. And I just kept watching about 10 minutes later. I said, ha, 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 Gore looks so good. Fuck, in all caps. Like, just to reel me back in. And he, he, and you said, yeah, he fucking went off. He even hit his spots. I mean, like, we were watching that together, it feels like. And, I mean, this guy, like, it, for I want him to succeed so badly, oh, knowing that too. it was mental. Absolutely. Absolutely. Knowing that it was mental, that just makes me want, want his success even more. Of course. I mean, and, like, we've all – whether it's in baseball or other facets of our life, we've all hit points where we like, we doubt ourselves. Right. And like, at least most of us have, I know you and I have <laughs> like, it's just natural. It's human. Uh, but when you're doing it on that stage with that kind of hype, uh, it's difficult to see him just out there. Just so again, so confident throwing any pitch and going right at these guys, mixing it up. I'm very excited. I just want to see him extrapolate it a bit more. I think he needs to start the year in triple a. Uh, I think he needs to make, seven, eight, nine starts there, get that success, get that victory moment, that consistency, and then go up to the big leagues. Because if he goes up to the big leagues and struggles a little bit, which is natural, we just talked about how that happens with a lot of dudes. You don't want to stifle that confidence. I want to see him feel like he could do it in AAA for eight to 10 starts and then go up to the bigs and work through whatever you work through or dominate. We'll see what happens. But I think he needs to, he needs to have a little bit more of that under his belt and get back to who he was and feel it more. Yeah, I say if he looks like this twice more in spring training, he's your opening day five. <laughs> I like I'm I'm all the way there. Uh, last thing on Gore, while I while I just ooh and ah, um, something that tells me he's truly comfortable. Um, I was watching the game, listening to Bally Sports San Diego, Don Arcelo Mudcat Grant, who I think is one of the best booths in all of baseball. They said Gore drove them to the ballpark the day he started. They were walking from the hotel to the ballpark. Gore saw them walking and said, hey, you guys want to ride? No way. Start for a guy trying to prove that he's ready for the big league roster. And he drove the broadcasters to the ballpark. If that doesn't scream comfort to you, I don't know what does. Because Gore of last year and all the head cases that start games at the major league level would never in a million years communicate with somebody on the day they start. That tells me Gore was super confident in what he has. Yeah, I mean, well, Gore was somebody that, you know, during the year last year, we didn't hear from at all, really, right? I mean, like, he was, and which is fine, but that was like, he was going through it, whatever, and working through his struggles uh, on the mound and off the field, like, privately. Like, that, we, he wasn't doing media sessions saying, like, yeah, I'm working on this or that. He wasn't out there talking about 
you know, what is working, what isn't working. It was kind of just dark and quiet. And the Padres were pretty dark and quiet about it. So it's good to see him, yeah, like out and about. I mean, those are the, the broadcasters, the guys that will be talking about him. And I'm sure in that drive, they talked a little bit about baseball and pitching and whatever. So like, that's a big level of, of comfort. So great to see Mackenzie Gore confident. And, and I, ho- I hope he can continue to do it because he's a special talent. And dude, that's a game changer for the Padres. Game oh changer God. for that team. They need, need him to succeed. One last note, by the way, uh, on, on this episode, we have a giveaway going on right now. Um, yes. that is super sick. Uh, we've had a bunch of, uh, a couple of different big leaguers share it that, that threw their names in the hat to try to enter it. Uh, we partnered with pillbox Batco, and they make phenomenal, phenomenal custom bats. Uh, and they made one for our co-founder or co- for our advisor, our co-founder, Peter Apple got his own bat. No, yeah. no. Soon enough, I think he'll, he'll start pushing for his own custom bat, uh, but not yet. Jeff Conine, 18-year big league vet, uh, got that bat. He's our advisor, two-time World Series champion, of course, hosts the podcast Outside the Box with Jeff Conine that I'm fortunate enough to do with him uh, every few weeks. And uh, ridiculously cool to comm- commemorate the 25-year anniversary of the 97 World Series, which he played an integral part in. It is insanely, insanely detailed even if you're not a Marlins fan, I think it's a really cool piece because everybody loves the teal. It's got the teal. Uh, you can enter uh, to get, throw your name in the hat for the giveaway. Uh, the link will be in the description to the Gleam, uh, which is where you basically, if you don't know what Gleam is, just go to it and you'll see how to enter. Uh, that's in the description of the podcast. It's also on Instagram if you want to see pictures of it and on Twitter if you want to see pictures of the bat. Jack, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Um, no, I'm in, man. And like, listen, it's a giveaway. Just go enter in the giveaway. Like, that's yeah. as simple as it is. When it, whenever I see a giveaway with like cool shit, it's so easy. Just enter in the giveaway. As long as you don't have to like pollute your Twitter with a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to pollute your Twitter with a bunch of crazy stuff. Like, just no. go ahead and try and win a sick bat from our friends at Pillbox. I think all you have to do is just go on the Gleam and it, you don't even have to follow you only have to follow our twitter but you have to just like it says visit the website and you just visit pillbox and it's 100 gleam points which it gives you a better chance and if you visit somewhere else 100 more gleam points gleam is genius by the way um but yeah so definitely check it out pillbox does an unreal job and hopefully we'll be doing some more uh some more bat stuff with them in the future because i love what they do niner jeff was amped on the bat um and gabby sanchez former marlins marlins legend who clothesline Nigel Morgan said, yeah, I need one of these. So that was, that, that was my unexpected uh, Twitter notification of the day on the just baseball account of seeing Gabby Sanchez, who will forever in my head be associated with clotheslining Nigel Morgan. Yeah. Well, I view him as ACC network uh, extraordinaire color analyst on college baseball, Gabby Sanchez. So uh, that's that we, uh, yeah, we definitely got to connect with Gabby Sanchez. Send us into the weekend, Aram. What do I need to send? I don't know. You could either do with that. Thank you, everybody. Or you could just plug your social and say, talk to you uh, Monday. I thought I didn't know if there was something more interesting or whatever. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll plug the call up talking to Zach McCambly. Uh, that episode is out now. Marlon's prospect. Uh, and next week, a very, 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 very exciting guest. That's all I'll say on the call up that uh, I think you might know who he is. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, you can follow us at just BB media on Twitter. Uh, just baseball fans on Instagram, just baseball fans on TikTok, 100K. That's really exciting. Uh, merch is starting to fly off the shelves, dude. We got to do like a new merch order soon. I, I can't believe it's flying off the shelf. So thank you to everybody that's bought it. If you haven't, that link is in the description. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything. And we will talk to you on Monday.